Everybody in the building, everybody got a hand in the air. Everybody in the building, everybody got a hand in the air. Everybody in the building, everybody got a hand in the air. Everybody in the building, everybody got a We all want it, we all need it. We all want it, we all need it. We all gon' feel the cancer, it's like the we got that hope. We all gon' feel the pressure, but know that we got that hope. In case you feel defeated in Jesus, we got that hope. In Jesus, we got that hope. In Jesus, we got that hope. We all gon' feel the cancer, it's like the we got that hope. We all gon' feel the pressure, but know that we got that hope. In case you feel defeated in Jesus, we got that hope. In Jesus, we got that hope. Hey, what's good? It's your boy, Big D, a.k.a. The People's Preacher, and you're tuned in to the AV Podcast. Some say AV, some say AV, but we, we say this is a place where we give God glory and we tell stories. So tonight, we have my brother from another mother, uh, uh, goes by the name of Mike, and uh, so what we're going to do tonight, amen, is uh, before we get started, um, we're going to... Um, just want to thank everybody for um, just all your love, all your support. And yeah, so we're going to go in. Um, today's a special day because it is a day that the Lord has made. We know that. It's a day that wasn't promised to us. It's a day that we're giving God glory. Amen. So before we do anything, I want to bring in my brother um, all the way from Whittier, California. I give it up for my brother, Mike. Pete, what's good, brother? Amen, man. Amen. Thank you for having me, bro. No worries, no worries. So, so uh, talk to us, man. Tell us a little bit about you. you. Amen. So, my name is Mike. I'm from uh, uh, from Victory Outreach, of course, uh, the city of Whittier. I'm the home director. Currently, I'm the home director here in Whittier. Uh, right now, we're bringing in more guys, so we're 13 strong. Then um, with 13 mannequins bring out a, a great calling and I, I want to thank my pastors for that opportunity that they bring and of course uh victory outreach is the forum and the place where god touches souls amen and, and that's somewhere where i was touched in uh 2008 uh, i've been in this church um and and been stable in one place for for that about 13 years amen and so i'm um I, i'm i'm grateful for what God has done in my life. And I'm so grateful that I've given my life to this ministry for not because of a name or a title, but because there's other treasures like myself. Um, you were asking me about a scripture, there's a scripture that, that says a lot about my life. Um, I come from a, a lifestyle of, um, I come from a broken family. Uh, my mom and dad divorced at a young age. Uh, uh, I've never seen them together. I've, I've, um, I, I've lived in a, um, in a drug-infested environment as a child, um, little things here and there. Uh, good mother, good father. I have great grandmothers that were prayer prayer warriors. One scripture that came up at a time when me and one of my grandmothers were sitting watching. Uh, uh, even though I was out in the world still, in my mind uh, we sat in the scriptures in the Book of Romans in this eight verse, uh, uh, chapter eight, verse twenty, and. Mm -hmm. It says this, it says that all things will be turned around for the good, for those that are called according to his purpose. Amen. 
So those that are called according to his purpose. And today I see and I realize like the places I've been and the things I've seen, they were meant for a purpose. And the guys in the home that I deal with right now, currently, um, I've had other kind of jobs also, but I just say this current situation that we're in with the pandemic and whatnot, it, 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 it brings you to, you know, it brings us to our knees. But that scripture just really comes to life. Because so many of the men that come in, they're hurting. They're not drug addicts. They're just hurting people. The drugs are the symptom. But the real problem is there's something hurting. Amen? Amen. And through my life, whatever I've been through, some I, I still blow up and talk about, but there's things that I've been through that are getting turned around for the good. Amen? To give God honor and glory and, and to reach out. Because I didn't want to call. A lot of you out there probably called too, man. God's going to turn around every situation as we see the pandemic turning around. Right, we got this guy Dave right here, man. Brother David, thank you again. This thing right here, reaching out to people and being able to tell, you know, and be open and tell our story, or or just you know, reach out and say, hey, a, a encouraging word is it, it's a great forum. And I, I want to thank you for the challenge again, man. I thank you so much. So, like I said, I came here uh, to Victory Arts in 2008. I came from uh, uh, maybe a, a, a shackle. I came from prison. Uh, couple of days out of prison and I I already had a plan I could feel I was with me the whole time in the yard and wherever I went I could always feel and, and I re recall and remember more I could feel something with me always and now at this time where uh, 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 when I went to the home I just man I had to humble myself I didn't realize being sober and having so many issues amen and, amen. and I thank God for those that were my staff at that time God they had to deal with me uh, my directors, uh, they, uh -huh. they put me in the home for, I was there for a year, and then they, they, they switched me in that state for another year. Not only that, I continued and uh, <laughs> further educated myself with the uh, school ministry, Betsy, Victory Outreach. I was able to uh, uh, to serve as a, uh, as a building uh, um, campus, and I was able to get in the school of ministry, and I graduated there. And also, I had an opportunity, my pastor let me, um, attend Rio Hondo College. I'm a drug studies major. I wanted to know a little more of this problem that we're having. Uh, so I graduated there. I got my uh, certification from there. Um, they're a little uh, uh, expired, but we'll, we'll get back to that one day. <laughs> right now, when I'm doing it, it doesn't require that. Um, I'm also, um, I've been uh, trained in the uh, gang reduction youth development department there in, in, for the alley mayor. And I think we'll talk about more of that. I got that through the um, through knowing people in church, being faithful there, and I got uh, my foot in a door called a place called Crossroads, where we were able to reach youth. And and lo and behold, a guy and I, you know, I've been some places, but they allow me to go into middle schools and and high schools and um, you know, uh, problem solving with the uh, kids uh, needing a mentor, kids like myself, and I was able to do that also. But glory be to God because you fingerprint this guy. Heck no, you don't want to run your kids. That guy's crazy. So I was able to do that too because of God and then much more just serving, you know, serving a, a God. You know, it was, it, it's been an awesome uh, uh, road. And uh, just my recent, a pretty recent one was I, I uh, uh, a childhood friend of mine. We, uh, we all, we, we knew each other. We've known each other for a while and we're been friends. Never noticed. And uh, after all this time being single, I'm now an engaged man. And she's uh, she's there. I love you. You're awesome, and you're 
going to be that backbone I need. She's <laughs> got that inspiration, the Amen. part I'm missing. And God brought her to my life. Um, recently, I asked her to be my wife. And so we're engaged. Don't got that date yet. But um, that's a, a, a great thing that I never thought I could do things the, the right way. And uh, with a good person, man, I don't deserve and I don't deserve anything. Uh, those things I talked about, the education or doors opening, I believe that um, I give all glory to God with, with what's going on and for what's to come. Amen? Amen. For what's well, to come, David. You just gave us, the, you just did the whole interview without me, but that's fine. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I'm just playing. We could get some. T- no, we're going to get it in. We're going to get in. But you know oh. what? I really, really appreciate you, man. I appreciate uh, your journey. So let, let let us uh, rewind a little bit. Talk to me a little bit yeah. about um, 2020. If there's one lesson that you can share with people today, what is one lesson that you feel that you learned in 2020 that you could take into 2021? What was one of the greatest lessons that you felt that God had uh, taught you in 2020? I believe that the, the fear of things was, was brought out of people and, uh, and myself, a fear of, of, of making a mistake and, and, and the fear of even seeing, I had a, a, about 10 men in 2020 in my house with me. So at 2020, at the time of the pandemic was the time I took over the home. I had to bring a, a lot of men here in my own home. Um, it was a new season for me, but then it was a new season for the world. Yeah. And I think I had to turn around and reflect on other people that didn't have it. So uh, I didn't, we didn't go without not one moment. And I think the faith and the and what happened is that we we had enough time to pray, we had a lot of time to pray, and that's the one thing that 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 was brought out of this is is man I had to get in, and I had no choice. Mm-hmm. I got ten men and I'm trying to teach how to pray. I got I had to get that kind of faith. I couldn't uh, raise my hand and say, "Whoa, what's going on?" I had to be an example. Um, uh, no matter what, I know that I'm going to be called to be doing certain things, and then. And, and at a scary time, I understand and and uh, uh, that there, we had to be very careful. And yeah. we brought people in uh, uh, right before that, so we didn't have any room for anybody else. But I think most of all, I brought the faith. And then to look at fear, prayer, um, the Word of God. And the Word of God was true. It, it, the prophecies in there are true. And these are, these are and everyone's a cliche, cause of the cliche. These are our last days. As you see things going on around us, Amen. Hey Amen. You talked about you talked about fear. You talked about um, the epi- the pandemic. What I like to call we won't get into conspiracy theories, but I'll call it the pandemic. Hey Amen. One of the things that uh, as I'm listening to you is really just a time of testing of your faith, and 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 really when it, I, I was having a conversation with I don't know if you know uh, uh, Sister Darlene and Brother David. Um, and uh, David was telling me, you know, we were having a conversation early on in the pandemic. And uh, we were talking about how God was doing sort of like shrake, uh, shaking of the tree. And at the end of the day, you're going to see who really had a relationship with God and who really had a relationship with a church or a man or a ministry or, or, a, or a title. But those that were rooted in the word, those that were rooted in God, those are the ones that seem to have shined through the pandemic. And it was, like you said, it was your prayer life that got you through. And it was your faith because it was tested. And then you were in a position where it was like, you know what, Lord, use me 
to transmit you through to people because that's what truly what you're doing. You right there in the home, you're you're you. I remember talking to you yesterday. You're like, I'm just trying to be an example to these men. I'm trying to model Christianity to the people that maybe have no idea what being a Christian is. Who is Jesus? Because you know when you go to the home, I'm a product of a men's home, and when I went well, to I went to the home, I just knew of God, but I never really knew God. And so my men's home director was my was my Jesus in a sense because he was my Bible. And so as I'm reading him and I'm looking at his life, I'm saying, okay, that's what a Christian does under under pressure. That's what a Christian does when he's when he uh, he gets blessed. That's what a Christian uh, how he takes care of issues. And so that's where you were, man. And that's an amazing place to be because a lot of people in 2020 just stayed home and got scared, you know, and didn't do anything. So, amen. Uh, that's uh that's a great lesson that people need to know is when we're going through things, we don't seek man, Facebook, Instagram. We get on our knees and we seek God. And like you said, his promises are true. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He didn't say based on a condition. Yeah. He said, hey, I'm with you. So, amen. So, amen. What a great lesson to learn. Um, So let's get uh, let's get um let's get into some nitty gritty. Amen. Take us back to when you were a child, an adolescent, young Mike P. Oh. You know, how was the family dynamic? You know, moms, dads, brothers, you know, were you rich? You were poor? Man. You know, where, did you have the Sega Genesis? Did you have the Nintendo? Or you just played with dirt? <laughs> talk to us, my brother. Hey, Amen. So, you know, in that, let's talk about Nintendo. We had the, the that, that, that one was the, uh, what was it, the 2600 Atari. <laughs> we wished we could get that, you know, and our neighbors all had one. Yeah. My mom was a single mom raising us on her own, me and my brother um, uh, there. And, uh, and and we lived different places. I see mom have to work, and we, we, they used to call it latchkey kit. And they used to latchkey kit because you would have a key, right? And then they would tell you, hey, lock the door. And my mom would tell me, don't answer the phone because we were our own babysitters. Amen? And, to, uh, and in those years – uh, uh, <laughs> There wasn't too many crazy kind of things going on, but there was still, you know, there was still probably if, if they found out that you're alone, you're still same problem, right? But um, I, my mother, um, you was single mom. What she would do is uh, have us babysitted with with our grandmother. Um, me, I was fortunate. My me and my brothers uh, half half brothers, but my mother and father grew up across the street from each other. We grew up in uh, my grandfather were veterans of the war. And what happened is when they purchased their property, they met each other and they lived right or directly across the street from each other. And that's right there in the city of Bassett, right by the high school. The high school wasn't even built yet. So these two men met each other and then um, uh, became friends, that whole block. They were really a tight community, um, a lot of the first owners of those houses. And so when I grew up, my mom would take go to her mother's house and then she would, I would immediately run off the car and run across the street to my other grandma's house, right? Where, of course, um, you know, he gets spoiled and, and, and things. I was um, named after my, my father and my grandfather, my first name. And so I would get a little favor there, and I was the oldest grandchild. So that was great growing up because I had two grandmas that loved me. One was actually they used to be best friends. And in the 60s, my grandmother found Jesus as the Savior. So what happened is that, um, they kind of split ways a little. They didn't really, um, and then they split ways for many reasons. One was uh, my mother and father didn't 
uh, end up staying together. They were married, but did not stay together. Maybe when I was one, one mm-hmm. years old, um, my father ended up going to the Marines. So my grandmother would take me, the my dad's grandmother would take me on that side of the uh, family. I would be there a lot. Spoiled as heck, man. My grandfather spoiled me like no tomorrow. Anything I wanted, he gave me. And um, but uh, the stories of those two men uh, remind me. And they used to. My grandpa would tell me stories because one of my grandpas passed away. But he would tell me a lot of stories about them drinking and partying and and those things come into a child's head. And then when my dad would come from the Marines, he would he would take me and spoil me. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was a time that he would it would be like his time with me, and I'd be at my grandma's. And I would come out and I'd look and there'd be a lot of guys there. He had a lot of friends. He was in a car club. He had a lot of friends in high school. He was a very popular man. Um, not only with friends, but with the ladies. This guy was, you know, my dad was a handsome looking character. And um, he still is. And so what I seen was men standing in front of a garage. And sometimes I would be able to be outside. And and I would notice, you know, I would see it fighting and guys drunk, falling down. And, and little do we know that as a child, you teach him this way, the word of God, so you teach your child this way, and that's what he's going to go to. That's what mm-hmm. he's going to sequence. So my way of escape, I, 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 I remember, uh, man, I remember my dad, he would drink and have friends. And, and so as my childhood day, later, it's, it's all about being on the street with your friends. There will be a couple of times, you know, he, he, he didn't, you know, nothing nothing bad to it. But he, there used to be a couple of houses on that block with a few guys from, from the hood, man, and and, and uh, uh, I would, you know, literally be standing there, and, and what, what I thought was a normal thing to be standing there with a bunch of, you know, guys, and and being put behind when a car passes by, I, that, we thought that was normal. Like, every time a car comes, stand behind the brick wall, um, get behind me, my dad would put me behind me, and that was like a normal activity, and I think that's somewhere where it even took me into a place where that's the normal street. That's that's yeah. life, you know. We we think it's life, yeah. you know. And uh, um, so I uh, uh, grew up that way, running back. I would always run back and forth across the street. Or there was a time last with my dad; he wasn't around for a little while. Um, he's uh, uh, he's he was a great example. I watched him recover from alcoholism and take the bus in the rain. And I man, I said, whoa. Part of me wanting to be sober. I used to, I said, man, this guy, he, he's tough, you know. He said, I'm done. I'm not going to drink no more. And that's it. And I was like, man, he's really getting together. And so he was an example there. My grandfather, of course, they were uh, pretty much, uh, uh, my grandfather's stories were something that embedded too. But that's how we grew up. And in in I, 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 I guess I, I really saw it more than I ever imagine and one day I, I realized like hey man this ain't normal i don't think i grew up normal and and but i like <laughs> man i didn't know i was so blessed too and i yeah. other things like both my grandmas they used to pray for me and then when my teenage years came we ended up living in my mother's uh, mother's house we took over that house and a lot of my mom and dad's friends kids were around so when I moved, we moved back right there. I had a lot of friends with him, you know. And um, we would make fun of cholos, you know. We'd make fun of them. You, you see people with Cortez, look at the guy, you know. Um, but there was a, a time when drugs became a part of my life. And hey man, um, let's let's go ahead and um, if we can, we can just kind of pause there, real quick for a second. Okay.
So take us to that. Um, you talked about, you know, the uh, you started to notice, you know, the gang culture, gang culture, you know, gang members. Talk to us a little bit about how you were, how you were attracted to that lifestyle, and how you ended up part of that lifestyle. Amen. I think I think what happened, and it has to do with drugs, is that we were about 15, running around. We used to, you know, walk freely on the street, mm-hmm. and I, and then um, there started being a lot of guys come out. There was a certain wave in about '86. A lot of guys were paroling, and they were from right there from the neighborhood. And what happened is that we we were used to not having problems with those kind of individuals and they started taking our stuff from us and so it was kind of a thing is either we get involved or we're just little little guys running around and yeah and it might be the choice that we made part of it it started being a um a, there was a house that we had and me, me and some of my friends that i went to high school with and childhood friends um now they, those guys started hanging out at that house and they it started being acceptable and, and it started being, we, we started feeling the love, you know, somebody got shot at and then, okay, this is what we do. And I already knew that it was already there. I already knew that, okay, retaliation comes. And then it was like, wow, how did, you know, it started getting exciting. There started being more guys getting in and then it started becoming a family. It started be it started being a, uh, uh, yeah, it started being exciting, and, and then the love started coming. Then you're meeting more guys, and then there was the girls, and and then more drugs, and and, and it was it was it started being like a family, you know. And then uh, I believe it, it was the acceptance. Okay, when once you you started doing things, and that uh, 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 people would talk about you and say, "Hey, man, did you know? I heard you got you did that. That was you that took care of that business." And it started getting acceptance, you know. As at that time, I pretty much had uh, my dad's absence from my life, mm-hmm. and and I think the acceptance of older guys and and starting to teach us things were um were, were something that I held on to, like you know, and I and I, and I like those stories because I remember my grandpa telling me stories and you know like you don't know he's probably he did this but it was like wow this is what this is what I remember when I was a little kid all the dudes standing in front of that garage and my dad having so many friends you know. And and so um, I just remember, you know, that that it was it was an acceptance, you know. I didn't make it into any sports, but it was a, a part part fun of the the drugs. Another part of the of the girls, it was you know there was always girls, different neighborhoods you could go visit with your homeboy, mm-hmm. um, and then it was the excitement um, of getting away with things in the hood and getting a, a reputation, man. Amen. So take us to. That that moment, because uh, you know, without being this, without really, uh, how can I say, uh, uh, overstepping my boundaries, you know, take us to that place where your first time you ever got incarcerated, and how did you feel when you 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 were in jail for the first time? I think my my first real experience. I had like a couple weeks. Uh, uh, a month, but then my real experience is when, in about ninety. I think I started doing a lot of things out there in the neighborhood. And, and how old um, were you at that my time? My name started getting. Oh, uh, years old. I actually started going to jail in the late 
uh, late freight. I thought like it was late, you know, in my life. And I started going in there and um a lot of these guys that um that I had encountered on the street started showing up too and, and they were like, Man, we got you now, you know, and I got into some things there and and part of it was ego. Some guys would be like, Hey man, you must have been putting it down out there or doing something. But I just remember that this first time uh getting pulled over, I had a, a stolen car. Um falsely um I had a stolen car, I had a little small gun, it probably was I used so much it was uh, I, I remember though, being there on the floor and, and being cuffed up and, um, and in the wrong city. I, I was in the wrong place. I don't even know. I was pretty wasted. And I remember just like, man, this is real. You know, it's getting real. And then being in that jail cell and like I said, then getting and running into people and kind of not having a bunch of my homeboys around me. And it was a, a, an experience like, man, I really got some people mad. And then getting out later, and then guys saying, "Man, I heard they were jumping you, and they, they caught you slipping in there." And I was like, "Yeah, but I just stayed, you know." <laughs> and uh, um, getting those pat in the backs are good, you know. If you don't have your parent out there telling you, "Hey, you're, I'm proud of you," and you did, sometimes those things are a good thing for us, you know. And so I remember that 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 times, and it's not one of the worst times. Things have gotten, you know. I've had other experiences incarcerated that Amen. I think. I could feel it, and I know now, God. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was something there with me. How long was uh, your your criminal career? How long was it? How long were you in and out of jail? And then, and then we'll go into what I like to call the God season. So, how long did? Okay, you said the early '90s is when you caught your first case. You went to jail. How long were you uh, in and out of prison? I think um I think in the in the 90s I did some small time like 120 days a year and then 91 I did a, you know I, I, in the 90s yeah 91 and then 92 and then it, I got a good wake up about in 93 I had a, a seven year tail and I took a deal for one of my friends and and I never reported so they of course they put a warrant and I went in and then this time I ended up in a different situation I ended up in somewhere really rough and I had a year and then reinstate that. What what I'm saying is that this year, this time, it was like, whoa, this became real. I'm, I'm 22 years old. They stuck me in a cell. I'm nothing but, nothing but murderers. And and I'm in there for a dumb violation, right? Um, I've seen a lot of things that time, and, and I think that was a, a, a really hard experience. And then I ran again, I think, in 97. I'm already 30, 27 years old, and I ended up mm-hmm. doing the seven years. Um, I think I did like four on that. And it was pretty... It wasn't too bad. I think I minded, mostly minded my business. Uh, um, I did some things with, with, you know, not getting in trouble on the yard. Um, I think uh, four and a half years later, I, I, I slid and I, I from there. But this last time, this last one in 2005, this is, it was, and you're asking about the God moment. I literally felt, the hand of God uh-huh. give me a great spanking. Before we, we get is... into, before we get into the spanking, when I look at you, bro, I I see the goodness of God, I see the grace of God, I see the mercies of God. So what we want to do right now is we want to take a little trip down memory lane. So are we ready? Amen. Amen. We're gonna we're gonna show us we're gonna show some pictures, and then you're gonna let us know. Uh, you're gonna break it down for us. Amen. 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 So we got this picture right here. 
And so talk to us a little bit about this picture. This guy looks like he's straight out of Duke of Earl. Uh, Boys in the Hood, <laughs> American Me. It does. I mean, I know it's you, but uh, look what the Lord has done, my brother. Talk to us. What year was that picture taken? And where's that brush I at now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that brush I took off. Time for change. My pastor, uh, I remember uh, Sister Doreen, she had uh, told me, man, Mike, maybe you're going to make some changes. But that's the way I came in to the, to the home. I think that's uh, a matter of Aztec 2007. Okay. Two, no, 2008. I came out of Aztec. I kept getting into some trouble this last term, which was 2005 to 2008, around there. And I, uh, I uh, got in. I got lucky, and I got into this uh, parent program because they don't really take too many. They don't take pictures on the yard no more. And uh, I had when the time I got incarcerated, 2005, I had some issues with uh, with my my daughter was with me, uh, and I needed to take some parenting class. So they had this thing available, and I jumped on it, and I got uh -huh. in. But um, that brocha came from the old, from the from the Aztec. I let it grow, man. <laughs> and uh, that was, it was cool to take a picture and stuff. And I was like, dang. And I look at that like, I know it don't, I, it doesn't really look like myself. I, amen, uh, amen. I, I know right there in that time, I'm still lost. Amen. I'm like, I'm about to grow in about a year, and I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going. I'm too old to be living on my aunt's couch or my mom's couch. I can't go, you know, to my grandma's. I can't put her in that situation. Me being who I um, ran with before in the neighborhood, and I wouldn't want to, you know. So that time, that guy right there, he's pretty much um, pretty lost, man. Amen. Even in prison, like, who am I there? And, you know, so he's pretty lost at that time, and and uh, at that time, actually, I got a letter from the, the home saying, "Hey, we got a bed for you." This one right here, man. I'm in Atsig, I think, in 2006, maybe. And they had ran out of pictures, and that's why I always remember. It looks like I'm wearing a Superman outfit or something. But <laughs> I kept getting moved around because we're acting up in there with the trays. Um, I had something called a cell extraction. And uh, they had moved us around, and other guys, too, followed in. Um, they had ran out of pictures, and I remember they took me and I was wearing a jumpsuit, and that's why it's red right there. Uh -huh. And the guy said, "Man, he's messing up. He's we lost it. We need more pictures of you." And you know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not, I'm not that. Amen. That guy amen. Having everything hard and all that. I'm not that guy. But I roll. I I would roll with whatever's going on. Yeah. And take a stand for you know what I thought was the right thing to do, yeah. you know, because I always try to keep my name clean and and. Uh, yeah, so I was in Atsig on one of those, but the other one was actually a good thing. I think uh, Nat Geo, someone, um, or NBC, one of them came and filmed that that program. Uh -huh. uh, I didn't. I, I looked and I never seen my picture in it, but but I was able to get my papers, like the uh, parenting classes that I yeah. needed. I was taking turn to take advantage of, of stagnant time at that time. But yeah, he's a lost guy with that brocha. Hey. Yeah, brocha, man. So take us <laughs> hey, to man. I, I, you know, the, the word of God tells us this, that no one comes but by the father and then no one comes, uh, no one comes but through the, the, the son. Secondly is no one comes but by the spirit. 
And so for a lot of us, there's that season that God starts drawing us in by his spirit. Things start happening, you know, uh, whatever it may be. Talk to us a little bit about that season where God began to get a hold of you and you came to a place of surrenderance where God got a hold of you. That God moment, that God season. I mean, how did it look for you, Brother Mike? You know, going to the home was part of it. Um, the door was open. And like I said, I received a letter in the joint and, and they, they had a bed for me. And I think not just being physically in the home. It wasn't physically in the home. It wasn't. It, it was it was at first I didn't want to be there. It's like, what am I doing here with all these guys? They're fake. And I, I the season, it had to be in the home that we're, mm-hmm. after a while, I started developing a relationship with God. I remember my grandmother praying, and I remember just saying, that, like, okay, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to try this. God, and it started off like this, and I'm going to be real with you. God, I don't want to be here. And, and then I started little by little every day that we have prayer in the morning uh, for an hour. Now, I would say, God, I don't want to be here. These guys are stupid. The director, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He does, look at all these dudes. They're fake. And then in the next day, it started being more, God, you know, I want to pray for my kids. Then it came to a place where it's God, you know, how about just maybe I'll stay here till you stay. And I heard God loud and clear and say, and he says, okay. And then I asked him, so when, when, and he goes, when I say, oh, and I remember, <laughs> and I never believed I'm not a mystical guy. I'm not into all that. And then I remember, yeah, I remember just that couch. I know exactly where I was at that moment. And I'm about three months in the home, still playing games. You know, it's not really fully surrendered yet, but I'm trying, you know, I'm saying, wow, something's going on here. Uh, I'm, I'm raising my hands and whoa, this is crazy. I've been a product, and, and like I brought up in the beginning, my family is, is, is are Christian, and a lot of my family has been praying for me for years. They try to take me to homes. They try to help me. No matter what, I, you know, they come up with an excuse. But but I know that I'm a product of prayer. That's for sure. So I, I would pray, and then one day I said, God, you know, at least let, let me finish the home, and, and then let me see my grandmothers. Let them see me better. You know, my grandmothers are really important to me. I have aunt, I have aunts, grandmothers that are praying people. My mother, I just, you know, she's she's old, she's the one first led me to the Lord a lot when I was little. And um and and so what happened one day, six months in the home, a mighty man of valor. We went to a mighty man of valor about a week before I became a staff, which is a leader and all. Um we go to Mighty Men of Valor they have prayer before the service starts. The, the, they're having a, it's, it's lit. And I get up there and I'm like in the middle on my knees. And, and I don't know what came over me. It says in Acts 1 8 that the power will come over you. And I felt something happen. I was speaking in tongues. And I and, and then I turned around and, and everybody was pretty much walking away. Right? I'm like, whoa, what happened? You know, what happened? And there was a guy that was in the home with me before. And he, he was like, man, dude, you're like different. And I said, I don't know what's going on here. You know, but I remember getting in the van telling these guys, you know what? I just want you guys to know I'm done. All these little games, stop, you know, we're in the home. You know, you're in the van, you want to stop and get a soda. 
or something. But any little games like that, I'm not playing no more. I'm just saying, no, God has touched my life. And and when when I knew that was was was, I, I knew that was the touch of God. Some things just started happening inside of me. And it was not till six months in the home, and mm-hmm. that was six months after I paroled. You know, um, that was 2009. I got the, you know, I felt wow. the touch of God in my life. Amen. Amen. You and know, mighty men of valor. One of the things that I love about the home, and I, like I said, I'm a product of the home. One of the things I love about the home is you can't run from God. I mean, I wanted to leave every day for 30 days. I wanted to uh, complain mm-hmm. about everybody, just like you. And God has a way of getting his, his way. God has a way of making, um, yeah, yeah, he just, this is, he, he, he does what he does. Amen. Talk to us a little bit about once you went from stop playing with God, stop uh, messing around, then you got touched by the Holy Ghost. That's what it sounds like. Talk to us a little bit about um, you graduated, correct? And then talk to us a little bit about after you graduated. Amen. What what yeah. what started happening after you graduated? So I got pretty much a, a lot of favor with the pastors. Um, the, I used to, you know, one thing that was very impressive with me was I would look and see the the ministers on the front row and say, "Man, look at those guys are like powerful," you know, like what what I have to do to be there, like you know, and um. What happened is that one of the pastors, Pastor David um, Gonzalez, he wanted to open up a campus. He passed away. With, uh, his wife, Sister Dallas, still with us here at, at Whittier. But he wanted to make a campus because we we're going to be looking for a new building. Our church was looking for a new mm-hmm. building. So about 2010, they moved me into a, a entry home. And then from there, I was going to move into the um, building, one of the buildings that they were looking for. And I would be there to help build. And what happened is, um, and lo and behold, I got picked, man, and I, I carried a lot of keys, and I was trusted. Um, something that, that was great, I could get closer to my pastor. I, I was able to run and do ministry. Um, also, my pastor allowed me to, um, something I didn't have, I never had a driver's license. I, I, I had to take an 18-month course now. With the schedule that they gave me, I was able to do that. I was able to walk, and, and that's God. That's God opening doors. Something I could never have a license. A regular, I know it sounds weird, but a driver's license, you know, um, I got a driver's license and, and then, um, God also took away some past bills. They, they erased a bunch of debt, um, on the court, erased some debt. I was able to do the school of ministry, like I was telling you. And, and there, I think God was using me because I could see, okay, we're going to go over here and clean this or whatever it was. And that's the Holy spirit. Right. But once I graduated, um, they didn't have those big old ceremonies. I, I don't know those of you that are Victor Arch, you'll see big old ceremonies and stuff like that. I think I just got sprayed out one day, and that was it. Actually, straight to the home, to another, uh, uh, to a, a second phase. And so I um, I remember just being in that building and just being uh, uh, alone sometimes, alone with God. And and then uh, um, there was, it would be like a whole day. I wouldn't talk to nobody. I would just be there cleaning or making sure everything's locked. Yeah, but those yeah. are times, too, that I was able to... Like, see, man, well, God has me here for a reason, right? Um, there was times, of course, you want to leave. Even then, I remember God speaking to me and saying, how about if I just bought this building just for you? Like, you know, a two, three million dollar building just for you to, uh, you know. And, I was, and, and when he, when I felt that and I, I could hear that with God, it was like, wow, I must, there must be something I'm going to do. 
you know, something I'm going to do for God. I, you know, maybe it hasn't even came yet, but um, I know that um, they, they, yeah, they transitioned me to, to the campus, you know, and, and I stay there for, uh, I was campus for two and a half, three and a half years um, to move forward from there. I, I started running a discipleship home with more guys. Amen. And that's how I'm in my house that I have now. Amen. Talk to us a little uh, bit about... forward. Uh, I'm sorry. To talk home. to us a little Amen. bit about um, uh, the work, the job you had for a little while with Crossroads and how God took an ex-drug addict, an ex-gang member, an ex-good-for-nothing-nothing, nothing, and he put you in a place where you were uh, being able to go into schools, and, you know, talk to us a little bit about that season before you went full-time with the home. Because that's awesome, the doors that got open. Man. Amen. So I ended up getting a – I was a DUI counselor for a little while. So I went to college, and I'm, I'm a, a licensed for DUI and different things like that. Guy with the DUI, amen. But I have um, – I had an opportunity that came. Um, Pastor Ray from North Hollywood – he was working there with one of his close friends, uh, and, and I thank God for, for Paul Carrillo. He's a, a well-known uh, intervention with youth, a guy from, uh, he's in all kinds of committees with the mayor, and he got a contract with the city of Linwood. And in that city there, they, they were having problems with these kids getting into it. And so his agency, what he was able to do was get mentors to go into these middle schools which later became high schools, but I was amazed that I'm going into a middle school and talk to kids, and it was like something that was natural. I said, these kids are like me. They're 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 hurting. They're they half of them, a lot of them didn't have their their dad. Um, a lot of them are from poor communities, living with their mm -hmm. grandmothers. My God, how much God put me there, and I could connect with them. And then when it came with the families, it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm, I look like this, but uh, I'm a homie, uh, just like you, you know, and, and this is how I look now. I'm a Christian, I'm from Victor Outreach. What happened is that I really, really um, wanted to get in this part. It was called The Grid. And now this is a mayor's grant. It's a big deal. I'm hearing a lot of guys get into this thing, and it's like an honor to get into it, right? So, man, my boss offered me it, and, I, and for one year, I was able to be on the GRID program, which is a gang reduction youth development. And now with this contract, you're able to do, you're, with that program, you're able to see the need with the child. And come on now, if you could see the need and this kid's stealing something, he looks a little thin, you're able to go and buy groceries for the family, you know? And then you're able to counsel with the family. And then a lot of those people were just like me. They were just like me, a, a, a dad, I'm a dad. So, so they were just like me, a, a, a parent that didn't have direction, you know. So I was able, whatever turnaround for the, whatever was, was, was meant for evil, was turned around for the good because I could relate with these kids. And you know, so many of those principals out there, I can name names, that there's so many counselors that couldn't deal with certain kids. And some way, somehow the Holy Spirit would give me the right words. And then that, Amen. just that, just that knowing and being, and I was at one time, I, and then able to say, hey, um, they would tell me, hey, Mike, you don't cuss, you don't, you know, you don't. And I'd say, hey, um, you know, and we're not supposed to talk about God, but hey, since you asked, <laughs> amen. There was a good come on clause in that thing. It would say, would you like to go to um, when you do the intake? It was good because it, it it would say, would you like any kind of services? And I said, hey, would you? Oh, it says, would you would like to, uh, would you like your child to go to church? 
And they would go, yeah. I'll go, oh, by the way, I'm from Victor Outreach, and um, mm. I can give you a, a couple places you can go to in your neighborhood that have a, a youth service called Gang. And so, um, and and uh, that they opened the door, right? So that was such a blessing to be in that mm-hmm. environment, to be able to walk into schools and 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 the kids be so excited to see you. Mm-hmm. It was it it was a great thing, and I was, you know, I I, I it, it 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 not just a, it was not, forget the paycheck. It was like something that God opened up that man. But um, and of course, and the story ends where you know I had one of the great a great time, uh, for a whole year doing that. A lot of work, um, a lot of breakthroughs, man. A lot of kids doing doing good mm-hmm. right now. You know, I got an Instagram. They try to get me in there. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, we don't we don't allow them in that. But I I, I have um, other means that I can still say, hey, I'm I'm doing good. I hope you're doing good. And um, so that program's still running right now. And Amen. Uh, what a blessing, though. And, and to God be the glory, because we all know I didn't belong. There. No, 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 no. Amen. Amen. So check this out. You said something earlier. So that, yeah, that was a great, great, it's a great grant. Hey man, you said something earlier that really resonated in me. Like, look what the Lord has done. You know, there, there's a saying that goes, God takes uh, a bunch of nobodies. And, and our job is to tell everybody about somebody. But also what I love what you said, you said these words. If they ran my fingerprints, oh, they, they wouldn't, uh, don't run that guy's fingerprints or something like that. Because of your lifestyle and because of your past, a lot of people feel like, God can't use me. I can never be used. And then God says, see, this is what I told somebody the other day. What hustling can't do, the favor of God can do. And I tell people, I'm not against hard work because hard work pays off and God honors that. But there are certain doors that no matter what you do, you can never get in. There are certain people you can get in front of no matter how hard you try, you can never get in front of those people. But God has a way of opening doors, and God has a way of putting us before people that that otherwise wouldn't even look twice at us on the streets. Talk to us a little bit about how God was letting you into these 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 uh, schools, and you were talking to these kids, and if they only knew, I mean, the nitty gritty. Talk to us about the favor and the grace of God on your life. That's what I really want to talk about. Amen. Amen. So what was going on is that a lot of parents, um, they were calling out, reaching out to the principals, and they were reaching out to the staff that they need somebody there. And uh, so I went. I remember going for the light scan and all those things. And uh, um, um, for me, not too many things showed up. Nothing, not... Not too many things showed up. The question there is, is God's anointed now generation? It means uh, for youth, uh, a student and youth ministry. And now it's called the third wave, the third wave generation of Victory Outreach. So it's God's anointed now generation. It's not a that real gang. This question. It's not a real gang. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it's not a real gang. It's a gang. It means God's anointed now generation. Amen, and amen. we have to explain that. But I think my resume... It, everything came out. It wasn't open. I was like, "Hey, man, I have a story." So you know, and that is my resume, and that's where that, that scripture comes in. That Romans eight twenty says everything turns around. Right? So because I can reach these kids, I will let the the the, uh, the principals know. I was sent by the boss, of course, with their permission, and and then we got into this these schools in our area, uh, where our that where what uh, kids were given, and and they would be open. 
and they seen it and they would see it. They would see like it's like, oh, Mike's right here. And they would get excited, you know, and, 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 and kids know better. And when the kids get excited, before we, we stepped in a couple of schools and then we weren't really grounded yet, they would like check us out and see how it works. And, and, and what would happen is that the kids would, would be drawn and they would want, and you, there are people watching. And so they don't, re- we don't really even have to be school because the grant is at the office. So we got a little standard that we were able to work with. Uh, the Boys and Girls Club let us in for a little bit. And then we were able to, um, we were able to, um, to admit some of those kids that they couldn't help. And so but to be into the school was a lot better because then you see fights, you see the kids, some of the, you know, I think what was awesome is that the teachers were like, we need you here. And I would always say, well, I got a story so I could talk to that boy. Don't worry. Amen, about. amen. And, and so, yeah, it was God's favor. I think God's favor. And, and I think God, I was able to be used and, and that, that, that cross was still able to go and still doing those things, giving away things. I see some kids on their, their, their Instagram. Some of the kids are still um, um, attending, picking up food, um, different things there, uh, uh, getting help from homeworks. I know it's pandemic time, but they found a way to do it through social media that they can keep the kids active, you know, and positive during this, you know, it's kind of a bad time for, for all the kids. They want to go back to school. But I, mm-hmm. I um, yeah, you could see God's favor because, you know, literally, you know, somebody there is a Christian and they can spot you. And, and somebody opened the door for, for a crossroads to go into that grid, man. Amen. Amen. So go ahead and as we as we start to, 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 um, to take a landing, talk to us about this special lady in your life. I know you mentioned her a little bit in the beginning, but let us know mm-hmm. because there's two ways of doing things. I tell people you can do it God's way or you can do it your way. If you do it God's way, you get a rib. If you do it your way, you get a pork chop, right? So I'm saying... How long were you? Uh, how long were you single? <laughs> and uh, when did you know that she was the one, bro? And and then you went for it. I went for it, man. Um, we uh, we so we have a, a pretty uh, pretty nice uh, story here. She um, she is a product of the home. Also, her mom and dad. I have an aunt and uncle that were launched out by Pastor Sonny to in 86, 85 to uh, Fresno Victory Outreach, and they took over the church there. Her mom and dad followed my aunt and uncle, which they're from our same neighborhood. They're from the same neighborhood I came from. Now, um, so they're all Victory Outreach, right? So I've known her pretty much my whole life. Uh, my aunt and uncle, unfortunately, they, 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 they're such an, they were such an inspiration in my life. They're maybe part of the reason I'm here, amen, I think uh, uh, they started getting sick. And so when they got sick, she has this heart, and she was there at the hospital with my aunt. And I noticed her, but we're cool. Oh, yeah, you're from, she, actually, she ended up in Big Girl, San Diego. And then I was like, oh, okay, so we're friends. I never noticed nothing. I don't think we had any intention. We're there for another reason, right? Um, but we became friends. I had her social media, and we would text sometimes, you know. She would, you know, but one day, moving forward real quick, one day. One day. Uh, so I go to, uh, I, one day, hey, what happened is uh, I became the home director. Mm-hmm. And I took a picture in front of my house and I'm like, the home. And then she asked uh, a question. She goes, hey, uh, are you running the home? And so she lives in a place where there's three different uh, places in there. There's the women's home, 
there's a like a, a, a guys discipleship home, which is the second phase or like for youth. And then they have uh, uh, like a bunch of girls that are there that work in the church. So it's a pretty much a ministry house. Yes. And so uh, she asked me that question. And so she understands. She goes, are you running the home? Because before that, I had guys here anyway. I had guys with me, with, which were going to school, going to work. They work in the church, the, the discipleship home, reentry home. So she goes, are you running the home? And I said, yeah. And, and, and I go, why? And she goes, dang. She goes, wow. That's a, you know, she congratulated me. She was very, 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 uh, very um, uh, inspiring about it. And, and then she's sent me you know scriptures and and, and we you know we talked about my aunt my aunt and uncle ended up passing um before they could see me run the home they ended up passing but she was there she was always there with them like loyal loyal those are her original pastors they sent her to san diego to the home to get help so she's been there for eight years right going on nine i think she's going on nine years but the heart of this person was like i couldn't ignore no more she's like and, and and through through tragedy, of course, through my aunt, we, we started talking. And then uh, a couple of times I came down here with my cousin that lives close by me. And I started noticing and I, I threw it out. So I said, hey, what do you think about her, man? You know, <laughs> and then it just kept bugging me. And then one day I told my pastor, hey, Pastor Joel, this girl's coming over. I don't know what's going on. I got to check this out, you know. So he gave me the permission and uh, to go and eat and whatnot. Um, and uh, and so I just watched, and I've been watching. And yeah. It it just yeah, there's just there was one day we went, me, my daughter, my cousin, we went to, over there where she's at San Diego, and I remember this time and this moment, and I was talking to her, and I was like, something was going. On. I was like, what the heck is going on? And I told her, man, I got these feelings for you. You like, you know, you have everything that I, you know. And I was like, what the heck am I saying? Um. <laughs> But yeah, it took place and it, it, it was real because, yeah. you know, I'm in the before in the world, man, I was messed up. You know, that's why I've been single for, for all this time. I was how, home, like, how many I years were you single? To get involved with anybody. Oh my God, 13 years. Okay, well, you got for a damn. While. I've been I, single. I, 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 have, I had a little bit of relationship with some, but not. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. It didn't get, it didn't go that way. We didn't end up. But yeah, I was single a long time. But I'm gonna tell you something. I never felt this before. I never felt like that before, uh -huh. and uh, it's different. I was in the world, man. I was kind of a bad guy. Um, so I, I mean, I ran around the neighborhood. We, you know, we go everywhere, and, and but really, I I didn't know what that was. It was something different. And I remember exactly where we're sitting. I remember like, man, God, you, you, you. I I hear about other people, but it don't happen to me. And so uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Amen. Because she's right on point with the home. She loves the home. She's ready. To be, I know she's ready to come out here and build with me, you know. And uh, uh, I really am inspired to open a ranch, and she understands that, you know, for men and women. And she's a product of home, so she doesn't have a problem with that. She does ministry and what a perfect fit. Amen. Because she brings everything I don't have Amen. To my life. Amen. Amen. What a great story. Um, like I said, you know, you can do it your way or God's way, but God's way always works out. Um, so as we t as we come to a close, and then I know we're gonna bring um, brother uh, young young brother uh, on. Um, <clears throat> I always li I like to ask this question towards the end of all my uh, interviews. If you had just one last 
say for instance, you were given five minutes of fire, right? Because that's like big in Victor Outreach. What would be your message to those listening? What would you say if that would be your last time that you ever been a- would would be able to speak to somebody? What would you tell them? I would say that that the enemy's real. He's real. He'll try to keep you in darkness. He'll try to keep smothered in a place where you don't belong. Victor Outreach is called to the inner city, and I'm glad I'm here in this out this time. Right now, there's a scripture that I want to bring us in Isaiah 45. It's right here in two and three, and it says, "I'll bring the treasures out of darkness." And the enemy wants to keep us in the dark. He wants to keep a diamond there in the dark where it never gets dealt with. But once the God comes and brings you out of that darkness, my friend, all of your, all that muck and murray, if you allow him, he'll take it off. There's another scripture that talks about the veil. And you got to watch it because the enemy will show you, like, don't go to that church. Don't go there. Or don't just stay where you're at. But God will come and release that veil and you'll start seeing the glory of God. If you give him a try, he'll start showing you the light. He'll start showing you your true self. To start bringing out gifts you never knew you had. But you got to allow that process to take place. And for anybody that's looking for somewhere, or it has somebody that's looking for help, there's homes all over the world that, that help. Guys just like me, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just one story. Well, I'm just one of the stories. But you in the home is allowed to, to bring that veil off your face and you get to see the light. Because you weren't, we weren't born to be in the dark. We're, to, we're born to shine. You made us to shine. And the enemy, the devil's a liar, and he'll keep lying to you, and he'll, he'll keep you condemned, and keep you on that dope, he'll keep you in that relationship you don't belong in, he'll keep you out there in, in, in the world, and whatever it is, whatever your vice might be. Because he can even open the, the it says he would also bend the, the, the bars of bronze. He could also release guys like me from prison and, and, and allow him to uh, be a part of a great work. But you got to be the glory in and, and it's there for you if you just make that choice. Amen. Yeah. So we so we got something special. I, I've, no, I've never done this before, but it's like a part two, but part one. Um, we're gonna hear from a young man who he graduated the home, correct? Yes, he's a graduate of the home. And then he uh, did he go to the UTC. No, I, I didn't. I didn't go to the UTC. Oh, okay. I'm a product of, of the. I'm a product of the ranch. Amen. Oh, the, Let me. Uh, uh, we want to. We want to see you, bro. We want to see you. Um, all right. So go ahead and introduce yourself uh, real quick. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you're single and ready to mingle, so we don't want to do all that. But we just want to. Uh, yeah. We just want to uh, introduce you and talk a little bit about what the Lord has done. Talk to us, bro. Give us a. Okay, my name is Raymond. I'm from. Go ahead. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Okay. All right. My name is uh, Raymond. I'm from Victoria, San Bernardino. I'm a product of the ranch. Um, I went there in 2018. I was incarcerated. I did 15 years in prison. I got out. Um, I was getting into trouble and everything, and I ended up going to the home. And um, it was there at the ranch that God did something in my life. I, I came to a, a time where I surrendered to God. Um, and God elevated me. He was able to... Uh, I graduated the ranch. I went to the, the D home and it was through that, that that God started building my character and everything. But God opened up a door for me to go to the third campus and which the third campus is, is to build a, a leadership skill 
um, to instill Bible, uh, biblical uh, education, but also to uh, for planning churches and, and just we were able to respond to the call. So right now, um, God made a way for me to go to the Thoway campus. I've been there six months, um, but I give uh, the glory to God because not long ago, man, I was just my stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, into a prison, drugs, and not drugs, but prison and gangs and everything. But God did something in my life, and now He's taking me to another country to uh cult to bring the culture from here the the doorway campus there to help establish uh the doorway campus there and i'm just allowing god to use my life you know and like i said i never thought that god would use me in a powerful way and he has you know but it's just i come to surrenderance and allow him to do what he has to do with my life to glorify him it's nothing about me but it's about god you know and how you said on earlier come on it, man. It's come a, on uh, it's a story we're telling the story about what god is doing in our lives you know it's not my story but it's god's story you know man. Amen. Um, and I'm just so blessed to to be leaving. I'll be leaving this Monday, and I'm so blessed. You know, I never thought I'd see myself going nowhere else. I was, I was, what I was looking at was just being in prison for the rest of my life, and, and either that or dead. You know, um, and but God had God had mercy upon my life, and now I'm going somewhere else to to preach the gospel and just bring something different. Amen. T- tell us real yeah. quick, man. I don't know how long you got, but I got time. Talk to me and. When was I, the fir- first time you got incarcerated? How old were you? I was like uh, 11, 12. I, had, I got incarcerated for a gun. Um, and then from that, I got out. Um, see, I grew up in foster care and all that. I grew up without my parents. Yeah. So um, I was and always... you know what we need to do? Then, um, we need to do you... Um, we need to do an interview just you and me. And not Mike photobombing yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, bro? Go All ahead, right, so, go ahead, share a little bit more. I, I got so, time. Don't trip. Tell the story. I got, I got. Okay, so I grew up in foster care and all that. You know, I grew up without a parents. My mom was a prostitute. My dad, uh, he's somewhere in Mexico. So this day, I still don't know my uh, my mom. You know. So, but anyways, I grew up in foster care, and then um, I started getting into trouble. I, I made it. I ran away from a group home, and when I ran away from a group home, I met some guys at a park. Well, those guys ended up becoming my homeboys. I grew up in the city of Bloomington, and um. Um, it was there that, that um, uh, my, I, I got real close to one of my homeboys, my, my homeboy little flatphone and stuff, his name Carrillo. I got real close to him, and um, I went, I got busted for attempted murder, but um, they let me out, so when they let me out, um, I was out for a little bit, but then I got busted again. I was going to um, California Youth Authority, but before I, before I went to, I uh, got incarcerated again, it, um, they asked me, look, if you know anybody that's willing to take you in, uh, you can call them and, you know, we can go through that or you can leave right now. So I call my homeboy little fluff and I tell him, hey, you think your mom will take me in? You think she'll die? And she's like, yeah, let me ask her. So he took me in and after that, um, they, they kind of like adopted me, but they didn't fill out, they didn't, uh, fill out the paperwork. Like, they didn't go through the uh, courts, the whole procedure. And then <clears throat> I got into trouble and I went, I got busted and, and right before I was going to go to California, one of the youth authority, I was only like 15. I had made a phone, I had gotten shot, and then I got busted. I was trying to hide my identification to the cop. So I was giving him a fake name, but my mom told on me, you know, so I got arrested. <laughs> so, um, okay, can you hear me? Yeah, 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 okay, it's cool. Keep, uh, you can go, go, keep on keeping on, man. Hey man, I can hear you. Yes. I can hear you. Hey. 
Hey, man. I can hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. I can hear you. Hello? I can hear you. You can't hear me. I can't hear me. There it goes. All right, hello? Yeah, yeah, go. So you, uh, your mama told on you, and you went to jail. No, you can't hear me? Hey, man, uh... All right, all right. I guess we're the phone, the phone came on. Hey, Amen. Well, we're having a little difficulties, but that's fine. This young brother is sharing his life story uh, about the, what the Lord has done in his Hello? life. Um, can you hear me? Uh, the, the phone came on. Yeah, I turned off the phone. Amen. Hey, I don't know what happened, but what an amazing 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 story about this young man uh i don't know what happened we lost a uh, connection i'm gonna try to get him one more time let me see hey man can you hear me now no 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 okay amen so amen um i guess uh we lost connection on their side um uh, but what an amazing time we had tonight with my brother mike p I thank God that he was able to share his life story. Um, hopefully the young man that we were talking to right now, we can bring him back maybe today or another day. But uh, God has been good um, to so many men. And one thing that I can tell you is that God is still in the, God is still in the saving business. He's still in the restoration business. And so if there's anybody out there that, you know, uh, you need help for your mom, your dad, your uncle, your nephew, your brother, go ahead and DM me or uh, hit up Brother uh, Michael. And um, there's all kind of places where, you know, God can um, change lives. Amen. So, you know, it, it's not about the situation, but it's about God and how he's able to just change, restore and renew. Amen. So, again, I want to thank everybody for listening. All your love, all your support. And uh, till next time, may the Lord uh, bless you. And in everything you do, give God glory. And so what we're going to do is uh, I think we're going to get out of here. And um, till next time, God bless. Church, but I reach. I heal the blind with a speech. They hit the beach for a piece. I brought my peace to the beach. Got some, got some, got some. They want that healing, I got some. They want that realness, it cost some. Costly, cost me penny. Bands, they try to block me. Told me, stop talking that black.